Uh, so last week we just finished up a three-week series called Unchristian, and uh, next week we're going to be digging into the book of Acts, uh, going through uh, themes from the book of Acts and what the early church was built on. So this week I have a, I have a freebie, which doesn't happen all that often. Uh, so I'm going to be talking out of Luke, the passage I was reading just a couple weeks ago that struck me. Uh, but just stick your finger there. We'll get to the scripture here in a minute. I was, uh, I was talking to Shannon and um, this funny story that her granddad used to tell. Uh, he was, he was um, 91 when he passed away. He'd lived through uh, the better part of a century. And uh, back in the day when ice cream cones were 10 cents at McDonald's. And so he used to tell this story. He said, man, when I was a young man, I would go to McDonald's and I would pay 10 cents and they would give me an ice cream cone. And then later on, I started getting older and I got myself a girlfriend and I'd go to McDonald's and I'd, I'd have to pay 20 cents, but I, I would still just get one ice cream cone. And then, you know, I married the girl and we had a few kids and, you know, a few years later, I go to McDonald's and I have to pay 50 cents and I still just get one ice cream cone. And uh, you think, man, 50 cents, shoot, I buy a lot of ice cream cones. But uh, just, just funny how he used to tell it with this smirk on his face. Um, but just this thought of like responsibilities, things, things begin to add up as you get older. And I'm starting to realize this with uh, three kids. You think, man, it used to be easy just to like go out on a date or go hang out somewhere. And now it's, oh, we, we got to pack the kids up and we got to think about, okay, can we get a babysitter for that night? And just complicated things and <clears throat> another funny story we had uh in st louis we used to live in a duplex and uh, we we owned this duplex we bought it and we rented out the top half and there was this little balcony on the upstairs where uh, um, some friends of ours lived upstairs and it started getting these little cracks kind of in the bottom like you walk up the stairs and there's the front door and the balcony was above it so they could walk out and see the front yard and so I started noticing these cracks. I thought, that eh, that might not be very good. You know, I probably need to, like, I don't know that much about, like, repair work or houses or anything. So I was like, maybe I'll get some, like, caulk or some liquid nails and just fill it in. So we, were, we had some people over to hang out, and this guy uh, named John Donjon was there. He's an, a building inspector. He knows a lot about fixing houses. And so I said, hey, John, you just, like, could you take a look at this? Tell me what you think about this balcony. And he looked at it, and his eyes got real big, and he kind of, like stepped on it a little bit and he's like let me go look at it from the front yard so he goes he goes out and he walks outside and he looks up at it and he he looks at me and he goes don't let anyone else on that balcony he said this thing's gonna fall down you need to you need to get this like it's got to come down right away so I'm just like what what is the deal and so he kind of he went on to explain this balcony was built out of uh, concrete which apparently is not a good thing to build balconies out of. I don't know. It seemed pretty st stable to me. But it's pre concrete's pretty heavy. And so the supports that were holding up this balcony were starting to collapse. And so we, what was originally supposed to be this fun day with a bunch of friends turned out to be a day where now I'm thinking, shoot, now I have to like pay thousands of dollars to get this stupid balcony replaced that I didn't realize and uh, I was just thinking about things like this when I was preparing to preach, thinking about, man, life just has a way of, like, hitting you when you least expect it. it. Maybe it's the responsibilities that add up, like with kids, or now you've got to pay rent, now you've got a job, and there's bills, and there's all this, the mortgage and the loans. Or maybe it's the thing that comes out out of nowhere. There's a, there's a car accident, and suddenly there's extra insurance fees or lawyers. 
or maybe there's a, a medical emergency. You get hurt and you have to pay for a hospital bill that you didn't think was, was going to happen. There's this stuff that just happens and we think, oh, how are we going to, I wasn't planning on this. How are we going to take care of this? It's so easy to, to start worrying about this stuff. Or maybe, maybe you're the kind of person uh, that, that worries preemptively. So this kind of stuff has happened before and you think, okay, it's just a matter of time. You know, the house we had in St. Louis was like 100 years old. It, it never failed. Just about once a year, something major would break. It was the air conditioner one year. It was the roof. Another year, it was the balcony. It was just like, you just kind of start to expect it. Okay, what's going to happen this year? Something's going to break. It's going to be bad. You know, and we can, we can start to feel like this. Oh, what's, what's going to happen? So we try, to, we try to save money or we get, you know, home insurance or car insurance. But is it, oh, did we save enough? Was that enough for last time? I don't know if it's going to be enough for this time. Or do we, do we have enough insurance? Is it going to be able to take care of the things we need? And there, there are all these worries. You know, it's easy to like smile and thumbs up on the outside. But when you're, when you're laying in bed, what's, what's sticking in your head? What's, what's eating at you? What wakes you up in the morning that you, you just can't shake this, this thing that you're worried about? And... Um, we're going we're gonna to dig into some scripture here. And Jesus was uh, talking to some people that were not, not very, not all that unlike us, people who had bills to pay, people who had families to take care of, people uh, who needed to pay rent on the places they lived, uh, people who had bosses and, and work and responsibilities and, and things that they were worried about. And I think this is, this is going to be helpful for us this morning. Jesus says, to his disciples in Luke 12, starting in verse 22. Uh, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I was thinking about these things Jesus says. He kind of breaks it down into two different groups of worries, if you will. He says, look, don't worry about what you're going to eat. And don't worry about what you're going to wear. So eating, that one makes a lot of sense to me. I like food. And I realize that my body needs food. If we don't eat food, you know, eventually, I mean, we could go without food for a little bit, I'm sure. Uh, but we'll die. You can't, you can't make it without food. Jesus is talking about, hey, look, there's, there's things that you need that you have to have to live. We have to pay the rent on our house or we're going to be put out in the street. You have to pay the electric bill. You have to pay the sewage bill. That could get uh, dangerous if you don't pay the sewage bill. There's things, there's things that have to happen. There are needs. Jesus is saying, look, this is, this is one of the things 
that uh, causes worry. The other thing, uh, clothing. I was having a little bit of a hard time thinking about this, and I don't know if it's just because I'm a guy, but like, you know, pair of jeans and t-shirt, like, that, that's good for me. I'll wear that for a long time. You know, I was like, What's the deal with clothing? Is this, I think at first I read the scripture and I thought, well, maybe this is just, okay, we can't go around naked. We have to have clothing, right? I mean, like, you know, you have these irrational fears. You have these dreams when you you think, oh, I'm in a public place and I just realized I don't have any clothes on. Maybe Jesus is talking about something that has to do with that. And so I'm, I'm chewing on this. I'm thinking about this. And yesterday I was talking to Shannon just about my thoughts for the sermon and I said, you know, um, I feel like, okay, being, being worried, being afraid of not having enough to pay the bills or the food, that makes sense to me. I get that. But I feel like the things I worried, worry about are more complicated than that. And she kind of got this, like, skeptical look on her face and looked at me like, really? More complicated? And I was like, yeah. And so I started to explain, I, um, I'm a a computer programmer by trade. It's what I went to school for, and I, I still do some programming on the side, and so I'm working on this project now. We've got the deadlines coming up, and, and things are behind, not by any fault of mine, and that's, that's the thing right now that, I'm, that worries me, that keeps me up at night, that I'm like, oh, are we going to make this? Are we going to get it done? Are we going to be able to do the job right and do it well? And uh, I was telling Shannon, I said, you know, it's not, I'm not worried that God's not going to provide because we've got, we've got the money, we can pay the bills, but it just like, I don't want to let these guys down, you know, I want to do a good job, I want to be a man of my word and do the things I, I said I'm going to do, and you know, oh, that sounds good, right, working hard, that's a good thing, being, being a person of your word, being honest, and meeting deadlines is all good, but I, I started thinking more about this and questioning this and, and reading the scripture, and if you, if you look at what Jesus says when he's talking about clothing in verse 27, he says, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So he's not talking about just like having clothes or not having clothes. He's talking about looking, looking beautiful, about being presentable. And uh, it started to hit me as, I, as I'm thinking and praying about this. This is this is my worry. It's not that much more complicated. I'm, wor- I'm worried about, about, being, about my reputation, about being presentable. I want to meet this deadline because if I, what happens if I don't? Man, it's going like, to mess up this job. These guys are going to look down on me. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to come through like I thought I was. It's, it's reputation. That's what, that's what Jesus is talking about. It's, it's being presentable. It's being being the person you want to be. I think these are, two, these are two huge worries that I think consume most of, our, most of our worrying time, if you will, most of our worrying mind. And the interesting thing here in the scripture is Jesus addresses both of these worries in the same way. And he sums it up in the end. So I want to actually hit, start at the end of the verse, and then we're going to backtrack and, and go through this. So the very last verse I read, verse 32, Jesus says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Your Father's good pleasure. He's talking about God and the Father. And um, just like I was so thrilled this morning as we're worshiping, people praying out, thanking God 
that he's our father, that he's faithful, that he doesn't leave us. I thought, yeah, this is what I'm going to be talking about. And, and Robin came up to me afterwards. We're singing that last song. She said, I feel like God's saying, this is, this is important. We need to get this, write it in our hearts. This, you know, this once and for all, the Father's, the Father's love. He is the light in the darkness. And uh, the, thi- the thing Jesus, when he comes and addresses our worries, he doesn't come and, and point the finger and say, oh, stop worrying. You're not supposed to worry. Don't do that. That's not good for you. Keeps you up at night. It's not healthy. You know, you're just going to get stressed out. No, he says, look, your father, don't, don't fear for your father has good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God, God is our father. And uh, just to like take a step back, because I think, you know, in Christianity in America, we hear this. Oh yeah, God's, God's our father. But like to realize actually what this means, that the king of the universe is our father. So, so essentially what, what happens, it would be like me, if I went and stole a car and then found out that there was a video camera that caught me, and then found out that the car I stole happened to be the judge's car who's going to judge my case, right? That'd be bad. So you walk into the courtroom and you, oh, it's him. Oh, really? And you're, you're on the bench and it's, you know, it's an open and shut case. They've got film footage. There's no way out. And so the judge pronounces you guilty. And, and then he looks at me and he says, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay for it. I'm going to pay for the car. You can have it. And I want you to come over for, to Christmas dinner with my family. Like, what? That doesn't even make sense. First of all, I've never met you before. You know, second of all, I stole from you. And not only did you, not only did you pay my debt, but you invited me to your Christmas meal. This is how ridiculous it is that God wants us to be children. All right, God could have very well, very easily and very rightfully paid for our punishment through the blood of Jesus and then said, okay, now you owe me. You must serve me because I paid for you. I bought you. You, you owed a debt and I paid the debt, but God did not say that. God looked at us and he says, I don't want you to be a servant. I want you to be a daughter. I want you to be a son. Come, look, I'll take care of the debt. Come hang out with my family. Come, come eat dinner in my house. Come, come be a part of this, this family. That's what, that's what God, that's what Jesus is saying. That's how revolutionary this idea is. This is, this is crucial. This is the highest blessing of being a Christian, being sons and daughters of God. And that is how Jesus is saying, look, we all have worries. We all have things that eat at us, that keep us awake, that, that cause us physical pain and discomfort because we just keep going over them in our minds, things we can't get free of. Jesus is saying, look, you have a Father in heaven. And this, this makes all the difference. So say, say <clears throat> I was in financial trouble, but my dad was Warren Buffett, the millionaire. You know, That changes things, right? So my dad's not Warren Buffett. My dad is also not a millionaire. So when, if things were to get tight for me, I'd be thinking, oh, I've got to do something. But if my dad was a millionaire and things started getting tight, the questions changed, the questions I would be asking. So beforehand, I would be asking, okay, how can I, 
What do I need to do to earn some money? How can I pay the bills and get out of this? If my dad was a millionaire, the questions would be, okay, the resources are there, but for one, does my dad care? Does he care enough to help me? And for two, do, do I deserve his help? They're different questions that we ask. So Jesus is saying, look, God's your father. So we have to ask, what kind of father is God? Is he, is he a God who cares about us? Is he a God who, who notices when we're in trouble? Is he a God who, do we, do we deserve his help? Do we deserve him to take notice of us? And Jesus addresses these with these analogies. So first with the ravens, in verse 34, he says, consider the ravens. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't have a savings account, they don't have a 401k that they've been contributing to. They don't put money away for a rainy day. They don't have car insurance. They don't have home insurance. They don't reap. They don't sow. They don't even really work. I mean, they're birds. All right? They don't have storehouses or barns, and yet God feeds them. And then he says this, How much more valuable are you than birds? So, so Jesus is saying, look, look how well God takes care of his creation. Look at these birds. They don't do anything to deserve being taken care of. They don't do that great of a job taking care of themselves. They just fly around and they, they eat food, they build a nest and they sleep, that's it, they're birds. But God, God takes care of them. They don't have to worry about where they're going to find their meal tomorrow or next week or if the bills are going to be paid. God works it out. God has this ecosystem. He's got it all set up. And Jesus says, look, it's, it's funny to laugh about. Hey, they're birds, but you're so much more valuable than these birds. So much more valuable to God. He loves you. He cares you. God, he created us in his image. It says in Genesis, God cares. God's the kind of dad that cares. Okay, so God cares about us, but do we, do we deserve his help? Consider the lilies, verse 27, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? So grass, not particularly useful. I mean, good if you have cattle. But uh, other than that, you have to mow it in the summer. It's kind of a pain. I mean, it looks all right. You can play in it. It's grass. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't have any merit. It doesn't, there's not any, you know, it's not valuable like gold or precious jewels. It doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't do work or produce anything. There's no fruit or grain that comes from grass, just grass. Jesus says, look, the grass, it doesn't, it doesn't deserve it. I've made it beautiful. The lilies, I clothe them. They're, they're more beautiful than the richest of kings. They don't deserve it. You know, maybe, maybe you don't deserve it. Maybe you don't deserve God's help. Maybe you haven't been contributing to God's family. You feel like, man, I haven't, been, I haven't been that good of a person. I haven't prayed. I haven't read my Bible. I haven't done the things I feel like I need to be doing. And grass doesn't do the things. Grass doesn't do anything. It just grows. God clothes it beautifully. God, God is concerned about us, about clothing us about our reputations, about 
not leaving us out to feel naked and alone and not good enough. He's God's the perfect father. It's interesting in the in the Old Testament God is only referred to as father just about 12 times. A um, couple times father of the nation of Israel, a few other times father of of specific people, but it's not there's, there's tons of names that God has in the Old Testament. Father is, is not a major one. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and he starts calling God Father. And people are thinking, what? what? That doesn't even, it doesn't make sense. What are you talking about? And the word Jesus used for Father, I don't think our Bibles, uh, our translations do it justice, because it's just the word Father we read. But the word he would have used in Aramaic, Jesus, he would have said Abba, which is like, that's like what a three-year-old calls her, her dad. It's like our word for daddy. It's like what my kids call me when I get home from work. Daddy, they run to me. They, they put their arms on me. If, if I came home from work and my kids said, hi, father, they be like, what? What are you talking about, <laughs> father? It's like a, that word is kind of removed. It's, it's formal. You know, it's proper. That's not, that's not the kind of father that God is to us. Jesus came calling God Abba, Daddy. That's, he invites us. Okay, God's not just this far-removed Father who doesn't care, who's distant, who wants us to get it all figured out on our own. He's Dad. We can come, we can come right to Him. And I was just thinking about, about my kids and about how, just what it is to be a father to them and thinking about what if, what if my son came to me and he, he would come in his little voice and he'd say, well, actually, Dad, I'm worried that we're not going to have food next week. And I, I don't know what I'd say. I might laugh at him. I don't know. This little three-year-old Kale in his high-pitched voice. Um, but I, I'd assure him. I'd be like, Kale, you don't even, well, you don't need to worry about that. We'll, we'll have food next week. We'll ha- we've had, we had food last week. We had food the, the week before and the year before. We'll, we'll have food next week. Or if Adira came to me and she said, Dad, next, next week's my first day of preschool and I'm just worried all the, the dresses I had, they all have holes in them and I, I want something nice to wear. I wouldn't say, well, you haven't, you haven't been obeying your mom very well. I mean, you've been pretty mean to your brother. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get you a dress that doesn't have holes in it for school. I think I'm going to make you wear that. I wouldn't say that. She's my girl. She's my daughter. I, lo- I, love, I love showering her with blessing. I love being there for her and helping her and providing for her. And so I think what, ultimately what Jesus is saying here, he's not saying, hey, don't worry because you're not supposed to. He's saying, don't worry because you don't have to. Right? He's not saying you're, you shouldn't worry. He's saying you don't need to worry. And there's a big difference. Because if you start to think, oh, worrying's against the rules. It's not what a good Christian does. Then you're going to start to feel bad because worries pop up all the time. All the time. They're not invited. They just hit when you least expect it. Oh, how are we going to make this work? How is this going to work out? Can we, do we have enough to get through? Can I do this? Jesus is saying, look, it's, it's not a rule, it's just unneeded. It's the same as, same as my son saying, oh, I'm worried about dinner next week. Look, you just, you don't need to worry about that. 
I, I love providing dinner for our family. I love providing for us. And that's, that is, brings us to the end of this scripture where Jesus says, look, verse 29, do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So he's saying, look, everything, people of all across the world, we, we build our lives around these things, around food or around better food, nicer food, a house, a nicer house, uh, you know, a house in a good neighborhood, a house in a good school district. It's, we need this. I need this to live. Or it's reputation. It's the clothes. I want to be perceived well. I want people to think well of me. I want to have this position at work. I want to be known for this, have this legacy. Jesus says, look, it's all, everything we direct our lives towards is to these things. And Jesus said, look, you've got a father who, who cares deeply about you, who knows you need these things, and who wants, like a good father, to provide these things for you, who delights to provide these things for you. He's saying, look, you don't even need to worry about it. The, the one thing for us to build our lives around and care about is the kingdom of God. Now, what, what is this kingdom of God? This kind of it's like thrown in here at the end. Like, what? I thought we were talking about food and clothes. What's this kingdom? So the kingdom of God is, is what Jesus brought in. So the old kingdom, before Jesus came, the old kingdom on earth was like this. You get what you deserve. That's the old kingdom. Eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. You get what's coming to you. If you... If you treat people good, you get good things. If you treat people bad, you get bad things. It's, it's karma. That's the old kingdom. Jesus came and he ushered in a new kingdom. He said, look, you deserve punishment. You deserve death. You've, you've sinned against almighty God. You, you don't deserve to breathe anymore. But I'm taking that punishment. I'm going to the cross and I'm ushering in a new kingdom. A kingdom of love and forgiveness. Jesus, Jesus took the eye for an eye that we deserve. Jesus lost his eyes for us. See, if, if we were under the old kingdom, we'd be eyeless and toothless. It wouldn't be a good thing for us. Getting, getting what you deserve is not good. This is, this is the new kingdom. This is love, unmerited favor, unmerited grace, forgiveness. God, who's a father to us and not just a judge. God who says, look, you messed up again, but I love you and I forgive you. Just come to me. Come back to my house. Come back to my arms. That's God's kingdom. Jesus says, look, seek this. Seek this kingdom. I have given you love. I have given you forgiveness so you can show it to other people. Show it to this world that is living under the old kingdom. So we're like, the church is like a family of adopted children in a world full of, of kids without a dad. And we, we, can go, we can go to these people and we can say, look, you want a dad? You can have a dad. He wants you as a child. 
He wants to know you. He wants you in the family. There's more room around the Christmas dinner table. That's the kingdom of God we're seeking. That's what we want. We want God's kingdom to come. Not just, not just here. We need it. We need it here. We need it more in our hearts. We need this stuff to get down into us. But we want the people outside these walls to hear it. And that's uh, a big reason why you may have seen in your bulletin here, we've got a couple invite cards for something called Alpha. Uh, this is why we're running Alpha. So Alpha is a, it's a 10 Wednesday course. We're hosting it at Heroes Bar and Grill. We're going to provide a meal for people. And uh, it's just, just an open and uh, casual way for people to hear about who Jesus is and who the church is and ask questions and not feel like we're going we're gonna to point the finger at them for asking silly questions or dumb questions or anything. They can come with, people can come with all their questions. We want to hear them out. We want to give them a place to explore and to figure out who Jesus is. This, this is why we're doing it. It's because God's a father. Because he wants more people in the family. And so we want to oh, we want to do everything we can to leverage what we have, the resources that we have, the time that we have, to make sure that people don't live their lives and die in the graves not hearing that there's a father who loves them, that wants them in their family. That all the things they worry about, the not having enough to eat, not having the right job, not having the status that we feel like will make our lives. Look, you don't have to worry about that anymore. God, God, God cares about that stuff. He realizes that you need that stuff. He will provide that stuff for you.